things over and over. So we're going to read from Psalm 128. And Psalm 128 says, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, everyone who is walking in His ways. Yes, you will eat the food you worked for. How blessed you are. It will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the inner rooms of your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Look, this is how blessed the man is who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life, and you see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. So we kind of worship the Lord together. Today, uh, we're going to sing some songs, but first let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Now is the time and service for communion. If this is your first time here, you should have received a communion packet with the wafer and juice when you first came in. If you need some, there's some on the back table back there. If you are a baptized believer, we invite you to partake with communion in communion with us today. We will be reading from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, and the words will be on the screen. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do is... This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The renowned church father Tertullian in the, eight, in the year 207 AD wrote about the Lord's Supper saying, He, or Jesus, declared plainly enough what he meant by the bread when he called the bread his own body. 
He likewise, when mentioning the cup and making the New Testament to be sealed in his blood, affirmed the reality of his body. By saying that the bread represents his body and that his blood is the new covenant, Christ confirmed that his body was a sacrifice for our sins. By partaking of this communion, we acknowledge that we have that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he was sacrificed so that we will live in eternity with God our Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us here safely. Thank you for dying on the cross and sacrificing your body so that we may live. Bless this communion, and if we've fallen short of your word, forgive us and reveal it to us so we can repent for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Matthew 25 Ministries, um, they're always collecting empty pill bottle donations. So we accept them here out in the foyer near the coffee. And um, if you bring them in, they don't have to have the lids. They don't have to have the bottoms. (laughs) Um, But bring in any parts of the empty pill bottles. Um, You can even leave the labels on if you choose. But we'll get them over to Matthew 25 Ministries for um, various things that they do with them. We will also take your used ink cartridges. Um, They help to reduce office supply costs here at the church. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7 p.m. Donations can be dropped off after service on Sundays or during that Thursday serving time. 
refit free dance fitness class here Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30. Breakfast fellowship, the first Sunday of the month at 9.30. Um, we will gather together downstairs and have breakfast together and just fellowship, get to know each other more. Um, once a month we've been meeting. Um, so this this month is Wednesday, February 15th, so it's coming up this week. Food and Fellowship, it's going to be country dinner, um, 6 to 8 p.m., right here in the sanctuary. So we'll have tables and chairs set up for everybody who's coming in. We will have, um, we'll have discussion about the Bible as we're getting to know each other and eating. There is a sign-up back on the welcome table. Um, don't feel like if you get later in the week, like, oh, I forgot to sign up. I can't go. You can still come. We'll, we'll let you. Um, Youth would be 6th grade to 18. Um, we're going to go to Perfect North uh, Snow Tubing Saturday, March 4th. That is their very last day to even be open. So um, Saturday, March 4th, 1030 to 1230. Uh, cost is $25. If you have any issues financially and that's not feasible but you want your teen to go, not to worry. Let us know. Um, we'll take care of it. Um, there is a sign-up for that, so I need to know how many because if we have enough people going, then we get a discount. Um, but otherwise, I just want to make sure we have enough transportation and chaperones to go. So, Heartland Events calendar is available on the welcome table. It is pink. Um, the bulletins this week are orange. A lot of the information that I'm discussing now is on here, um, as well as what to expect today if you're a first-time person here. Um, and maybe you want to hand it to somebody like, hey, come to this church. This is what they do over there. Four ways to give. Um, in person in the offering box in the back of the sanctuary, online on the website. There's a texting number that you can text and on the Faith Life um, app. And all of that is in your bulletin as well. So we're going to get right into the Word. Uh, so let's turn together in our Bibles to Luke. Luke's Gospel, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13. Luke 1, sorry, Luke 4, 1 through 13. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The title is, of today's teaching is, How to Fight Temptation. How to Fight Temptation. In Luke 4, 1-13, the Scriptures say, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all of this tempting, this tempting he left him until an opportune time. And you may be seated. How many of us have ever been tempted to disobey God? So for everybody who wasn't listening, how many of us have ever been tempted to disobey God? 
See, not every single one of us have been tempted to disobey God. And in our passage today, Luke shows us that we're not alone. So the Lord Jesus, who is God in the flesh, he was also tempted to disobey God. And he fought and overcame every temptation. And we can fight and overcome every temptation too. And that's what Luke wants us to teach us today. He shows us how the Lord Jesus fought temptation and how by following his example that we can learn how to fight temptation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to open our eyes to see the truth, open our ears to hear the truth, and open our minds and hearts to accept the truth. Give us the will and the ability to obey the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first lesson Luke teaches us about how to fight temptation is the certainty of facing temptation. Now, just before today's passage in Luke 3, 21 through 22, Luke tells us this about Jesus. He says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So Jesus went through three religious experiences that we all must go through as well. First, Jesus was baptized in water. He was not baptized because he needed to be baptized. He was baptized because we need to be baptized. Jesus had no sin to forgive, but Jesus is our example in all things. So Jesus was baptized in water, just like we all need to be. Second, Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, just like we all need to be. We've got to stay full of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did, so that we can, we can allow the Spirit to lead us and guide us and empower us to live the Christian life and do the work of the ministry. So Jesus was baptized in water. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Luke tells us about a third religious experience Jesus went through that we all must go through also. In Luke 4, 1 to 2, Luke says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. So the first thing that happens, the first place the Holy Spirit leads Jesus before Jesus begins his public ministry is into the wilderness, into a place where Jesus is tempted by the devil for 40 days. And this is not a coincidence. This is the same experience God's people went through in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3, Moses says to God's people, remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The 40 days Jesus was in the wilderness corresponds to the 40 years the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And their time in the wilderness was a time of humbling and a time of testing. So Jesus was led into the wilderness for the same reason. Israel failed God's test. They did it over and over again. But the Son of God never failed. And he will never fail. And we will never fail if we learn from and follow his example. Now, like it or not, the Lord will lead all of us into the wilderness at some point in our walk with him. 
It's in the wilderness that our faith is tested and tried. It's in the wilderness that the Lord and we find out what is truly in our hearts. Do we love God above all else? And will we obey God's commands no matter what? We find an answer to those questions in the wilderness. Now let's talk for a minute about the significance of the number 40. We see references to the number 40 over 140 times in the scriptures. Some examples, but during Noah's flood, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, or 40 days twice when the Lord gave him the law. He gave him the law one time, the people broke the law, he gave him the law again. Both of those times, Moses fasted for 40 days. After Jesus rose from the grave, he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. The children of Israel were in the wilderness 40 years, and Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. So what's the significance of the number 40? Well when, used, uh, in the, well, when used in passages like the examples we just read, the, the number 40 is symbolic, symbolic of testing, of trial, or preparation. So again, when God led his people in the wilderness for 40 years, he was testing them. He was preparing them to serve him. And when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, he was testing and preparing Jesus for his ministry. In Hebrews 5, 8, we learn that Jesus' son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. That time of tempting in the wilderness was a time of suffering, a time for Jesus to learn obedience. It's kind of like um, lifting weights. You know, if you want to get stronger, you don't get stronger sitting around, right? You get stronger by lifting, doing things that are hard. You suffer a little bit, right? It's the same kind of thing with this. The temptation is a form of suffering that we all must learn to endure. It's not easy, especially when the devil is screaming lies in your ear constantly. Just go ahead and do it. Now, you're already thinking about it, right? If you don't give in now, you'll just give in to it later. You might as well just go ahead and get it over with and just give in to this temptation, right? You know, Satan makes temptation seem impossible to resist. It can be agonizing, and it can seem like this will never end. But we all need to remember this truth. We only need to fight temptation for one day. We only need to fight temptation for one day. We only need to fight temptation today. See, when we start thinking about tomorrow's temptations, we can get overwhelmed. So in Matthew 6, 34, Jesus reminds us, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We only need to handle today's trouble, today's temptation. We've only got to fight temptation today. And again, like it or not, this is a fight that we all must be engaged in. No matter how bad the suffering seems, we must fight temptation. And we can fight temptation, every temptation, just like Jesus did with the Lord's help. As you read in Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. But Jesus was truly tempted. He truly suffered through that temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet Jesus never sinned. So Jesus knows what it feels like to suffer when you're tempted. When you are being tempted and you're suffering, you can call out to him and say, Jesus, you know what this is like. I don't like this. Help me with this. Help me to overcome this temptation. 
Jesus knows how to fight and to win against temptation. And he wants us to learn to do the same, right? By, by, but he doesn't want us to do it in our own strength. He wants us to learn to overcome temptation by relying on him for his help. And for us to learn those lessons, the Holy Spirit will at times lead us into the wilderness, just like he led Jesus into the wilderness. But the wilderness is not the only place where, to, where, where uh, we'll be tempted. And those 40 days were not the only temptation Jesus had to fight. As Luke says in Luke 4.13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. See, that wilderness experience was just one round of tempting for the Son of God. And when Jesus resisted, when the devil left him, the devil fleed from him until he saw another opportunity to tempt Jesus. And Satan will do the same to us. Temptation is a part of our lives while we're in this fallen world, this world, uh, while we're in this fallen world, the world that is under the sway of the evil one, well, the evil one will always be looking for an opportunity to tempt us. Scripture tells us that Satan roams around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So we all need to learn how to avoid temptation. And Luke goes on to show us three ways that the devil will try to tempt us so that he can devour us. So first, the devil will tempt us to doubt God's word. In Luke 4, 3, Luke says, The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And this is one of Satan's favorite tactics. The devil knows who Jesus is. He knows Jesus is the son of God. When Jesus was baptized and the voice of the father confirmed that Jesus is God's dearly loved son, Jesus heard God's word, and so did the devil. So the devil knows who Jesus is. He's not confused. But the devil uses his favorite tactic. He says to Jesus, if you really are the son of God, then why don't you prove it? Turn this stone into bread. See, God the Father has said Jesus was his dearly loved son, but the devil wants Jesus to doubt God's word. The devil's asking, did God really say that you are the son of God? He's trying to sow seeds of doubt into the mind of Jesus. And this is the same tactic that Satan used when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan asked them, did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? You know, Satan still uses that tactic on us. It's worked well for him for many millennia. So he keeps trying to get people to doubt God's word, to doubt what God says. Now, in our day, we hear the devil's questions. Did God really say, love your enemies? Did God really say, do good to those who hate you? Did God really say that gossip and slander will keep you out of his kingdom? Did God really say marriage must be between one man and one woman? Did God really say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? And this is one of the biggest ones in our society right now. Did God really say homosexuality is a sin? Did God really say? You can fill in the blank with all these things that we ask ourselves when we read it plainly in God's word and we try to, or Satan tries to convince us that God didn't really say that. So that's the question the devil will keep asking to try to get us to doubt God's word. So we need to learn how to fight against the devil's temptations. And we're going to talk about how to do that in just a little while. But first, let's talk about the second way the devil will tempt us. The devil will tempt us to serve him. Luke 4, 5 through 7, Luke says, The devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world 
And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Anyone I want to. I missed that both times already. Anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now, how Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in an instant, I don't have any idea. The scriptures don't tell us how this is possible. And it's not easy to figure out if Satan could actually give Jesus all the authority and splendor of all the kingdoms of the world. We don't know. Or whether Satan was just lying and promising Jesus something he could not deliver just to trick Jesus into serving him. Now, there are scriptures that seem to show that the devil is the ruler of this world. As uh, Jesus says in John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be thrown out. He's talking about Satan in his verse. And in 1 John 5, 19, uh, we read that we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Again, talking about Satan. So there might have been some truth in what the devil was saying to Jesus. In some sense, the devil does rule this world. He has some authority over the kingdoms of this world. But the only one who has absolute authority over all the kingdoms of the world is the Most High God. As we see in Daniel 4, 17, God pronounced judgment on King Nebuchadnezzar so that the world would know the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. So at best, the devil spoke a half-truth to Jesus. If Satan does have authority over the kingdoms of the world, it's only authority that he's been given by the Most High God, who is sovereign over all creation. But the only way Satan could give any authority to anyone is if the Lord allows it. So Satan speaks this half-truth to try to get Jesus to switch kingdoms, to stop serving the Most High God and stop serving his purposes and instead serve Satan and his purposes. And as with all sin, the devil likes to present only the supposed benefits of what he's tempting us to do. Satan is like a slithery car salesman who's trying to sell us a lemon. Satan is only going to tell us about the perceived pleasure in what he's trying to sell us. He conveniently leaves out all the pain that sin will cause to us and to others. He leaves out the idea that one moment of sin can lead to a lifetime of misery. One moment of of pleasure can lead to a lifetime and even an eternity of pain. So Satan tried to sell Jesus the benefit of being able to rule all the kingdoms of the world instantly. And the temptation here is that Jesus would not have to face the cross. If Jesus would only worship Satan and serve his purposes, Satan could give Jesus the whole world without any suffering. And how many times has the devil tempted us with the supposed benefits of committing some sin? He says to us, do this. It's going to make you feel good. If you'll serve me, you'll have everything your heart desires. But those are empty promises. What would it profit us if we get everything that we want that we gain the whole world and lose our own souls. There's nothing we can gain in this world, nothing we can gain that is worth losing our souls in the next world. But as long as we live in this world, the devil, he's going to keep trying to tempt us to serve him, keep trying to show us, hey, look, these things are good, you need to do these things, so we got to watch out for that. The third and final way the devil will tempt us is the devil will tempt us to test God. 
Luke 4, 9 to 10, Luke tells us the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. I notice that the devil quotes the scriptures. Now, here a lot of people say that the devil misquoted the scriptures, but he did not misquote the scripture. This is a word for word quote from Psalm 91. See, Satan knows what the scriptures say. Satan's been around a long time. He's had a lot of time to read the scriptures, right? So he knows what the scriptures say. He quotes the scriptures. Well, the problem is he misapplied the scripture that he quoted. He distorted the scriptures to serve his own purpose. So the devil knows what the scriptures say. He just tries to twist the scriptures to deceive people. And this is exactly how every one of Satan's ministers operate as well. They appear to be ministers of righteousness. They quote the scriptures. They seem to be well-versed in the scriptures, but they don't interpret the scriptures properly. They are untaught. They're unstable. They take the scriptures out of context. They misapply them. They twist the scriptures to their own destruction and to the destruction of those who follow them. So we need not only to know what the scriptures say, most importantly, we must know what they mean. It's the meaning that God intended. We must know the whole counsel of God so that we don't fall for those who distort the Scriptures. Satan misused the Scriptures to tempt Jesus to test God. So those are three of the ways the devil will tempt us. Let's go now to how we handle those temptations. What are we supposed to do? We're all going to be tempted. We've covered that. But how do we handle those temptations that we will certainly face in our Christian lives? How do we fight the temptation to doubt God's Word? To how do we fight the temptation to serve the, de- the devil and to test God or any other temptation? Well, we fight by following the example of Jesus. We rely on the weapons God gives us. So let's talk about the weapons for fighting temptation. Now Luke shows us that God gives us at least three powerful weapons to fight temptation. First, we fight temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice in Luke 4, 1, Luke says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, if we're going to fight temptation like Jesus did, we've got to stay full of the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. Now, how do we do that? Well, we keep asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Every single day, day in, day out, throughout the day, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to be filled with the Spirit. If we try to fight temptation in our own strength, then we may last for a little while, but we're going to eventually fail every time. But when we face temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit, then as Isaiah says in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, says the Lord. So when we stay full of the Holy Spirit, then God's power will strengthen us, to fight every temptation. The second weapon that God gives us to fight temptation is we fight temptation through the power of fasting. And this is everybody's favorite subject in the church, right? Fasting. We like to talk about it. I I say this a lot. Um, When you read the book of Acts, they sent people out with fasting. We send them out with feasting, right? Send out the missionary. Bring them in. We're going to have a feast to celebrate. Now, you send them out with fasting, Fasting is not a subject that we like to talk about much in the church. 
So again, we're more likely to call a feast than we are to call a fast. But fasting is a powerful weapon to help us fight temptation. And notice at the end of Luke 4, 2, Luke says, Jesus ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. If you read uh, Matthew's account, he actually says Jesus fasted for 40 days. So Jesus was being tempted for 40 days, and that whole time, he was fasting. And fasting gave him strength to fight temptation. The fasting is an important spiritual discipline, a discipline we all need to develop in our Christian lives. Fasting is especially important in times of temptation. When we practice fasting to get our bodily appetites under control, then we learn how to deal with temptation to sin. We gain a spiritual strength to fight temptation. When we fast, we give up our body's basic needs for just a little while so that we can focus solely on God and gain strength for ourselves spiritually. We give up feeding our stomach so we can devote more time to feeding our spirit. How is that through prayer and reading God's word? And if you've not developed the discipline of fasting, well, let me encourage you to do so. Let me give you some pointers on how to get started. We talk a lot about things in the church, but never give anybody practical, <laughs> practical application. How do you apply this? Well, first, pick a day of the week. Historically, the church has fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. But don't try to do both of those days right out of the gate because you're not going to make it. You just won't. You got to start slow. So you pick one of those days and just skip breakfast on that day. Skip it once a week. Do that for a month or so. People, I don't know what the number is, but it's like 30 some odd days or whatever. You develop a habit. I don't know what the exact number is. 21? Oh, there's 21. So do it for 21 days. Develop that habit. Make it a dis- uh, be disciplined and develop that as a habit. Do it consistently. And while you're doing that, lean on the Lord in his strength to help you. Now, once you've established the discipline of skipping breakfast one day a week, then start to skip breakfast and lunch on the same day. After you've developed that discipline, go for a whole 24-hour period from sundown to sunup, or sorry, sundown to sundown, you practice fasting. Meaning, so if we were to start today, okay, if we fasted on Sunday, we start on Sunday night, you don't eat again until Monday night. But don't fast on Sunday. We don't fast on Sunday because the Lord rose from the grave. We don't fast on Sunday. Why would we do that? Anyway, so... You do that, that's how you develop the discipline of fasting. You have to start somewhere, you start slow, and then you uh, build up to it. But we cannot just fast and expect this to have the power that we need to avoid temptation. If we're just fasting and just going hungry, then we're just, we're on like a weight loss diet. or That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to fast because we need the discipline of a spiritual, uh, we need to add the other disciplines of a spiritual life to it. So if we're going to fast, we have to make sure that we're praying as well, Make sure that we're taking more of God's word into us so that it will sustain us spiritually. And that brings us to the last but certainly not least powerful weapon we need to add to our arsenal to fight temptation. We fight temptation through the power of the scriptures. See, at every temptation that the devil threw at Jesus, Jesus drew the sword of the scriptures to counter Satan's attacks. So when Satan tempted Jesus to doubt God's word, Jesus answers him in Luke 4, 4, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What is the word of God? Well, the word of God is the whole of the scriptures. That's God's word. God breathed breathed out the scriptures. Those are his words. So Jesus fights the temptation to allow his appetite to control him by reminding the devil and us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. 
But how often do we try to live by bread alone? How often do we spend more time focused on our physical food than we do our spiritual food? Our physical health more than our spiritual health. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy or have a physical, to be physically healthy. But if we spend all of our time focused on our physical health and we neglect our spiritual health, then eventually we won't have what we need to live the life God wants us to live. And it leads to malnourishment and then it leads to death. And it's, there's no other way to say it. See, I think we all can do better with this. And yes, I include myself in this as well. We all need to have the same attitude as Jesus did when it comes to God's word. The attitude that the scriptures encourage us to have. The attitude of Job who said of God's word in Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. What if we, before we ate breakfast in the morning, ate God's word first? We treasured it above our daily bread. See, we do not and we cannot live spiritually if we try to live by physical bread alone. So we got to learn to live by every word of God. If we don't get the physical food we need or if we don't eat enough of the right foods, what does that do to our bodies? It has a, a bad effect on our physical health. Well, the same is true for us spiritually. If we don't eat enough of God's word, our spiritual food, it has a bad effect on our spiritual health. And taking this food reference a little further... Highly processed food is not the best food for our physical health, right? No, we're better off eating the things God created than we are eating the frankenfoods that man produces. And it's the same with God's Word. We need to spend more time feeding on God's pure Word than we do feeding on books about God's Word. And you'll be surprised how many people come to me every week. They got a new book. Hey, why don't you read this book? Why don't you read this book? Why don't you read this book? What I normally say is I just hold up the book and say, why don't you read this book? Right? See, books about God, they can be helpful for us. But we've got to remember when we read books about the Bible, then we're eating highly processed food. Books about the Bible present the Bible filtered through the minds of men. So we need to spend the majority of our time feeding on the pure milk of God's pure word. Because God's word nourishes our spirits in a way that books written by people just can't. So we need to get God's word into us. Do it any way that we can. Read it, listen to it, chew on it, soak your mind in it. Learn to treasure God's word more than your daily physical food. See, unlike physical food, you can, you can never eat too much of God's word, Right? There's no such thing as a spiritually fat person. It just doesn't happen. You can't eat too much of God's Word. The more you feed on this, the more nourished you are, the more you're you're able to fight temptation and live the kind of life God wants you to live. So we need to keep feeding on God's Word so that when we're tempted, we can say with Jesus, it is written. So when Satan tempted Jesus to serve him, Jesus again pulls pulls a quote from the Scripture. In Luke 4.8, Jesus answered him, Get behind me, Satan. This fly up here is trying to attack me. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, Jesus knew that the scriptures say that worship is reserved for the Lord alone. And he knew that we must serve the Lord only. So when Satan comes calling, trying to get us to serve him, well, we need to have these words ready on our lips. We need to tell Satan, get behind me. In our modern vernacular, that is, Get out of my face, right? Get out of my face. 
I'm not going to serve you. I'm going to worship and serve the Lord alone. In other words, I'm going to do what is written. And when the devil tried to twist God's word to suit his lies, to try to get Jesus to test God, Jesus fought back with a balancing verse, a verse of scripture that showed Satan was misinterpreting God's word. And this again shows us we need to make sure that we know not only what the scriptures say, but what the scriptures mean. So in every temptation Jesus faced, he quoted the scriptures to counter the devil's attacks. And we must all learn to do the same. Now, whatever temptation the devil attacks us with, we need to always be ready to slap Satan upside his head with the weapon of the scriptures. And as we close, let's remember the certainty of facing temptation. It's going to come to us all. The devil will tempt us in many ways. The devil will tempt us to doubt God's word. The devil will tempt us to serve him. And the devil will tempt us to test God. But by imitating Jesus, we can fight every temptation and we can win this battle through the weapons God gives us. We fight temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of fasting, and through the power of the scriptures. That's how to fight temptation. Let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you for revealing the many ways that we're going to be tempted by the devil. We thank you for giving us the power to fight every temptation. So help us to imitate the Lord Jesus. We ask you to help us, every one of us, to learn to fight every temptation the way Jesus did, leaning on you for the strength that we need. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So they're going to sing a final song. Uh, before they do that, I just want to invite anybody who wants to come forward for a time of prayer. You're, while they sing the song, you can come forward and pray. If um, you have a question about something I've said today, I'll I'll be available to talk about that. If you don't know the Lord Jesus and you want to know how to know the Lord Jesus, (laughs) get this fly away from me. If you want to know how to know the Lord Jesus, then um, again, I'll be available for that. We can talk about that. If you need prayer for healing or anything like that, you're welcome to come forward and we'll have people up here to pray for you. Uh, We anoint people with oil in the name of the Lord and believe that the prayer offered in faith makes sick people well. So if you want that today, we invite you to do that. So before they sing this song, I'm going to speak the Lord's uh, blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hallelujah. 